0: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and everyone in between, welcome back to The Drawing Board, episode 11.
1: What is up? Today we're here welcomed again by the two hosts and no other guests for the first time in a long time. We're really excited to get this done. We're really excited to share some new thoughts. Cause I think it's been a while since our last podcast. Right, Mac?
0: It's been a while since our last podcast. also been a while since it's just been us two. I think the last time we kind of just caught up was... Uh... So that was episode six or seven, and we're talking about it. Like, it was like right after I came back from Pakistan. It was in January, I believe, like mid-Jan. So it's been wait, like a couple months.
1: Wait, and you're you're in for Mac right now? Yes, sir. Nice. Finally guys. back. How's the past? How's the past couple of months been?
0: Um, it's been pretty chill, honestly. Like, I I feel like it all goes by in a blur. Like, I, I was the, the other day, like I was thinking about it, and like. It it doesn't like really hit you until like like certain moments. Like second year is already over. Like it was yesterday that it was like the end of grade twelve summer. That's, and, like that's, we're that's just vibing in Fort Mac, too. and like oh my god, it's gonna be four years. Like it's such a long time, right? and then suddenly it's just like second year's over.
1: You're officially like a third year, pretty much. Like a yeah, third exactly. year university. Like you're closer yeah. to being done. Exactly. That's that's, that's the scariest part. Honestly, it's like kind of
0: scary in a way because it's like. Like up until like you're in university, it's still like you get a pass. I'm so like, oh yeah, they're in university. So they're still like, yeah. kind of figuring it out. Like it's it's chill. But like, once you're a graduate, it's like you're like chop chop, You're Like what's happening? You got a job yet, or like you still homeless? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I feel How that. About you How, how's the past couple months been?
1: Um, they're pretty good. Kind of like stressful. I like bro. My housing situation's so whack. I've been just like running around all parts of like the Bay Area because like every time I get a housing situation, like it's like canceled afterwards. And so now I'm just chilling with my brother
0: but yeah your brother's in SF oh because right, he works there right yeah
1: yeah. He works like... in Cupertino wait how yeah. long have you been SF at this point because like
0: you've I can't remember when you when dude you I've,
1: been, I've been I've been in the US for like three and a half months
0: wow yeah yeah do you ever want to get like citizenship and live long term in the US in the future like have you ever thought about that
1: yeah yeah I'm planning for a visa um, citizenship is like a losing game though like it takes if I want to get a citizenship right, right now it would probably like take 15 years all in all which really? is yeah, Even for right. a Canadian citizen,
0: like it takes so yeah. long.
1: Yeah, 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 wow. yeah. But like, the, okay, there's a special type of visa called the O1 visa, which mm-hmm. is for exceptional people, yeah. um, and like, there's like basically a checklist of seven or eight things, uh, and if you have three of those things checked off, yeah, uh, then you're eligible for it. Um, but like, it's so gameable. Like, I was talking to other people that i have gone in the past, and it's completely gameable. For example, one of the one of the criteria is like you have to judge someone else's professional work, but like so just in
0: general, just be yeah. A these critic.
1: people, these people will just like set up a hackathon and be the be the judge at their own hackathon, and that one's done. Yeah. Another is like you have to win like an award at a national scale, and they'll just put together a website of an award and give that award to themselves. Wow, and that one's checked off. Like it's some crazy finessery that's been going on um so, so, I so
0: is that just like an accelerated way to get the, the, the citizenship if you have those things checked off you get the accelerated you get in uh, a couple years or whatever i
1: don't know what citizenship but it's like oh it's, it's, it's a for visa, visa. Yeah. oh
0: okay okay okay
1: yeah. yeah but um you still have to like the way you have to do it is you have to go through a lawyer which is mad expensive it's like 10k um yeah. to get the lawyer to like apply for all this stuff so i'm like looking into it now
0: do, do you want to live in the u.s in the future like I mean, obviously like you're just startups or whatever and like most startups are happening in the u s do you think you'd end up living long term there?
1: yeah, I was thinking about this. Um, I think if I had a family, I wouldn't live in s f yeah. um but maybe the u s honestly, I really like Canada, aside from the cold um Canada's like really nice. everyone there is super polite. I just like I don't know like how to like maybe it's just home. I don't know how to exactly put it, but it yeah. just feels more home-like. I've heard it from people who are even from the U.S.
0: Have you got that vibe across the U.S. like wherever you've been, or just like in SF? Um,
1: I pretty much only stayed in the U.S. I was in Boston for a little bit and LA. Yeah,
0: they're
1: all like they're all pretty different, honestly. But I don't know. We're also from Fort Lake Murray, so it's, like, different than Toronto. Yeah, I mean, like,
0: when, when you, like, live or, like, grew up in a small city, you're definitely going to get that, like, home vibe that you won't get in, in a larger city. Even in, like, like I feel like in Vancouver, it's, like, pretty similar. Like, there's just not that much. That It's it's more now, like, I feel like in the past, like, years, especially I've, like, gotten more accustomed to it. It feels more like home than I ever did before. But it still doesn't have the same, the same vibe as Fort Mac.
1: Yeah. Wait, what about you? Are you going to – if you have kids, will you live in a small, like, community or –
0: no, like, I, I also, like, thought about this quite a bit, um,
1: and I think I'll,
0: like, I, I want to stay in Canada, one, just because, like, for, for medicine, it's, like, quite a long process to be able to work in the U.S., there's this thing called Step 1 and Step 2 CK, you have to, like, pass it, basically, to these board exams, and they're, like, a whole, like, couple-month process to study for, and you do those during med school, so most people who, like, for example, if you are, you know, a becoming a doctor in Canada or somewhere in, like, the UK, they'll, they'll study for those, like, at the end of their second year, third year of medical school and then apply. But, I mean, it's just a long process, and I don't really see any, like, major benefits. Um, Also, like, uh, being a doctor in the U.S., there's a whole, like, logistical nightmare of working with insurance companies and having to deal with all that. So I think I'd rather just avoid that and stay in Canada. But, I mean, also, I have never really lived in the U.S. So I've gotten, like, the vibe of different U.S. cities. So, it's a, I mean, it's, it's a judgment, but.
1: Yeah. the thing is it's kind of op to have your kids in the u.s though because we're already canadian citizens right and yeah. so like i i feel this like when i when i have to go to the u.s like it's it's a long process i either have to like prove that i'm like not working or like get a visa yeah. um, which is like h- like really annoying and you can only stay for like a temporary amount of time but if you just have kids in the u.s they're basically granted with canadian and u.s citizenship which is like the most powerful duo ever like you can probably travel to anywhere in the world with that
0: Wait, really? Wait, so do they get Canadian citizenship if their parents are
1: Canadian? Is that how it works? Yeah. Oh, sure. I, th- I thought you would be born here. Mm, no, I'm pretty sure if your parents are Canadian, you just get Canadian oh. citizenship. No. I can fact-check myself, though. But do you think, do you think, Um. wait, do you want to have kids? Have you thought about parenting a lot?
0: Yeah, yeah definitely. I definitely want to have kids. At what age? Dude, that, that's, that's like, one thing. Because, like, like, I always had this mindset, or, like, I've developed this mindset over the past couple of years, especially, is that, like there's not really like right life is not really a race right and like i think i've really internalized that like it's it's like a very common maxim or like common like talking point but i think i've internalized it to like a a pretty like high extent where i'm not really in a rush to get things done and not not not, maybe i said the wrong wording but like i'm not in a rush to be like okay i have to be in my school by this age and have to be you know attending by this age or whatever just because like it's all a journey but the one thing that it turns me from that mindset is like if you're too old and like you are like in your 30s and you're still kind of like in the process of making your career and like, you know, you've enjoyed it personally, but at that point, like, if you have kids, like you're more disconnected from them. It's hard to relate if, if you are like in your mid thirties, early, even early thirties to like children versus like, even if you're in your late twenties, right? I think there's a major gap in the late twenties to early thirties period. Where I mean, like having kids as soon as possible within that time frame is, is better. So that's, that's the one thing I definitely, I mean, it's like, it's a balancing act. I'm not, I haven't really decided like how I want to approach it, but yeah. What about you?
1: Yeah. I've been thinking the same thing i'm just super scared of burnout like um this what like 20 to 27 age is like uh in my opinion i'm using it to like like grind heavily yeah um and so i'm like super scared of having kids and then wanting to continue like just like high stakes on high like time cost work and then either being like a terrible father or like Sacrificing all my other work for it, so it's like it's very, very confusing to me. But like, I know for sure I want kids. I have like so many cool ideas of like how would like parent. I think it would be so op.
0: Um, I I, I think it's probably like I mean it's kind of cliche, I guess, but it's like the greatest like experience you can have is like a a little mini version of you, and they get to like mold this or not mold, but like kind of like guide this person through the world and see how they got me it's just so cool.
1: I I think I was telling you about this before, but if I were to have a kid, there's some things that I would do. That, I like. I would not even let them choose. Like from a young age, I would put them into singing instantly. Like, it yeah. seems It's so high leverage to be able to sing because it's the only instrument that's with you at all times. True. And sure, if they started hating it, like by the time they were eight or nine, they'd have they'd be blessed with a good voice, which I think is massively important. Mm-hmm. Or like if they if they wanted to work when they're in their teens, I wouldn't let them work at like at a regular, like, fast food place or a retail place. I, I'd i make them work somewhere that could also be, like, a hangout and has culture. Like, imagine working at, like, a magic shop. Um Or, like, in TV shows, we see people working at comic book shops all the time. But, like, that's where, like, relationships are developed. Uh, so I would do that, too.
0: Yeah, working in general is, like, I think very important. Like, uh, I didn't really, like, appreciate it myself. Like, I always heard the idea of, like, oh, kids need to get a job to, like, develop their social skills or whatever. But I think, like, I mean I like worked a retail job this like past summer and I think like I developed a lot from it, even though it was like a, a fairly basic experience, like I could notice see or, like I, I noticed in myself my social skills developing a lot. Just 'cause like when you're at least stood there for like four hours, like you just want to go up and talk to people but the like, customer will come up to you and you want to make conversation with them. And I think uh, like looking for that conversation, looking for ways to connect to people just like that you literally just met is like a very important skill just to have in day to day life. Like yeah, just make it make being able to make conversation from nothing. So yeah, work is definitely important.
1: Would you give your kids allowance?
0: I mean I don't that is like a I think it's a minor thing. I d I haven't really thought about it too much to be honest, but it's like I guess. Um I mean if they wanted something, I'll just be like, yeah, like, you can have it if if I felt like it was like the appropriate age or there wouldn't be any like down or like what's it called uh drawbacks of giving it to them. I don't yeah. know, like it's it's like a. it's a pretty minor thing. What about you like do you have thoughts on it? Like I never thought about that.
1: Well the only thing is a lot of parents make their kids do chores in return yeah. for their allowance.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I always found that very interesting because it probably works. Um But also, like, I don't want to limit, like, my kids with, like, any monetary, any monetary like, limitation before, like, 16.
0: Monetary limitation as in, like, they want to do something and you're saying no because they haven't, like, earned the money for it? Or, like, yeah. Like, it it will, for it?
1: The point of doing chores... Um, would be so like you can you have your own money and you can spend it right yeah Uh, and the only reason that would work is if you don't like just like buy your kids everything to begin with like i just would want to like even if it's spoiling them i think it ends up being so like super high leverage to spoil them and let them try every single thing out
0: yeah there's definitely like a balancing act um like our, our parents probably like probably had to struggle like through a bit like once they were like financially successful enough to like to be able to just give their kids like whatever to be able to like i mean, i think they probably did it they were more on the the conservative side of like not giving them money and like i think that's how the culture kind of is in south asia in general it's like yeah. it's more in the parents hands versus the kids hands but i think there's definitely benefit to giving them the more now now that i think about it i probably would give them like a certain certain amount just so they could spend it on whatever Because one thing i definitely want to do and i guess um not learning from my parents, like I would guess, mis- I would say mistakes, but like kind of like adapting their their style and like I think I I would definitely give them more independence early on. Like I I think I was independent enough till quite late, and that like hindered my development. And I mean, it wasn't like a major thing, but that's definitely one thing I would want to change. And that one way to do that would be giving them the allowance type thing.
1: It's it's kind of wild that our friend group has people like all different like independence, um, like levels yeah. at least in high school. Like we had like sap. Or like you were like, yeah. like sometimes very overprotected. Yeah, overprotected. And then we had people like Ammer and Decent who could genuinely just like leave the <laughs> house at any point they wanted to do whatever they wanted. Yeah, yeah. And like everyone else, fell somewhere in between. But I was always, I I was always, always, always the most jealous of like people with the most freedom. Yeah, hundred percent. Oh, okay. Here's here's a good one. Would you give your kids like? Would you limit your kids? Use of screens or the internet? Use of
0: screens, yes. Uh, Like, especially very early on, to a certain extent. Like, uh, like I wouldn't want them to, like, sat at the dinner table, like, literally with, like, their phones just in their hand, like, you know, mindlessly scrolling away type thing. Especially, like, now with, like, TikTok and stuff. And I think as we progress further into the future, we'll have more of these, like, instant dopamine hit style of t- social media. I think there's just, like, there's there's too much downside for that to be, like uh like just given to the kids really like, like even me now like if i had a way to like artificially limit myself in a way that was out of my control so that i would be forced to use a tiktok i would do that to myself but i I can't i have to make the choice myself and i feel like i'm i fall short a lot of the time and i just doom scrolling for like hours on days that i shouldn't be but if i was like in a parental type of uh a, like a, a relationship and i had the ability to i think it'd be there's value in doing it
1: would you get would you get a flip phone I always wanted to do a flip phone challenge with my parents or with my friends.
0: Uh, I think the flip phone thing is, it's like, it's like cool for like a YouTube video, but honestly, I don't think there's that much value in it. Like, I feel like if you can't just control yourself or like make yourself stop doing this, like not that big of a deal. Because eventually you're going to have to go back to having a smartphone because like you can't just operate in the modern world with, with with a flip phone, no apps or anything, right?
1: Yeah, that's true. Actually, one of my friends had it, like did something else. He like turned his phone on Grayscale. Um,
0: I've heard about that, yeah.
1: And he just said, like, it changed his life. Like, he's the biggest advocate of, like, Grayscale phones ever. Because he's like I, like, I just don't get as much dopamine from my phone anymore. And so, like, I'm just not on it as much. Like, I use it as a tool. That's it.
0: See, for me, what I found was, like, when I lay on myself on my phone, I end up just, like, compensating in other places. So, like, if I if I don't have TikTok on my phone, YouTube on my phone, I'll just use my laptop more and watch more YouTube there. Oh, that's true. Like, I'll, I'll just be on, like... Like, for me, it's not even TikTok. That's my biggest vice. Mine's, mine's definitely YouTube. Like, I probably have spent, like four or five hours on youtube like a day on average over the past like two years three years something like that which YouTube's good
1: i'm a big fan of youtube new veritasium video just dropped yesterday dude i need to watch that
0: that's in my t- this is once like i don't know if you have this problem like if i see a video that i want to watch i can't just be like oh yeah i'll or, or like like, I have to, like, somewhere in my in my brain, like, check it off as, like, okay, I will watch it someday. So, either it's going in like a playlist for watch later. I have, like, 18 different playlists that are all labeled with different things, or I'll just open up a new tab. And what that means is, like, at some point, I'll have four different windows open of Google Chrome, each with, like, 30 tabs. And then there's, like, three different desktops, each with five, uh, like, Chrome windows. So, it's all in all close to probably, like, three 400 tabs of, like, YouTube open. I'll just be the one to watch, which is not healthy at all
1: yeah yeah i don't know like i i was talking to so i went to like an off-site i was i don't know if i don't i think i mentioned this i was working at um this company called synthesis um mm-hmm. for the summer or for this yeah. winter and it's like an education company and i went yeah. to an off-site with um a bunch of people from there and like a bunch of teachers as well and all of them like every single one of them was like anti-internet like they didn't let their kids use the internet for more than an hour a day um and it's wild because, like, the entire, like, school is, like, online native. And I just thought that was really weird. Like, I even have, like, a I have an aunt right now that my cousin's sister is, like, 15. And she's not allowed to get Instagram. And I understand some of the, some of the reasons or justifications behind that. But I can't help but think you're only delaying a massive, massive point of conflict.
0: Yeah, I think the social media thing is where I would definitely, like, just, you have to give free reigns at that point. Like, my parents were never, like, restricted about social media in specific. Like, they were like, okay, you can have, like, as soon as I had a phone, I could have all the social media apps. I didn't care. I think that was, like, there was no harm done because of that. Like, you're going to have to learn to tackle it yourself. And if you're artificially restricted from being able to, you know, like, firsthand being able to go through all the ups and downs of it then you're just gonna you'll be like impaired later on down the line. Like if you if you learn to use social media, you learn to use Insta at the age of like eighteen, you're are just gonna be behind socially. M- maybe in the future like social media apps will be less of like like of a I mean, part, part of the social culture. And in that case, maybe you have to like adapt this, this point of view. But as it stands, like I think you have to give them free range and let them figure it out themselves.
1: Yeah. I agree. But the best argument I've heard against that, just steel man, is that we're we're dudes, right? So Yeah. apparently the the very bad part of social media is mostly only for girls. And so, like, the poor parts of the internet for guys is pornography and girls is social media. Like, that's the best argument I've heard against it, which is fair.
0: Yeah, I've actually thought about that a little bit because, like, whenever I would, like, see people talk about social media, the biggest, like, downside, or not downside, but, like, negatives that people would point out is, like, you, you'll compare yourself to others but for me like i don't re- like i never look at social media and compare myself like specifically to like instagram like influencers or whatever like for me like it's, it's not a goal that i want like uh, that i want to achieve so it's not something that like um i'm really like uh like, i don't know what the word is but like I, I don't really compare myself the the reason like places where i'll like kind of have, like, have like this feeling of insecurity or like oh damn like i wish i had that is like when people have goals that i want to achieve and then i see them like you know like really far ahead in those like so like and ironically, like linkedin like will give me more security than instagram ever has because i'll open like like damn bro these guys have all these like achievements they've already done this it's, it's kind of nerdy right but like I, i'm not I'm, I'm more jealous of the person with like 4.0 4.013 three publications than i am of the the instagram dude who's like on a yacht with
1: like baddies <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> yeah but like the thing about social media is inspiration is good and so like there's a very fine line to walk between inspiration and a comparison that's negative so like sometimes i think like sure linkedin does this or um instagram has like like people who are uphold insanely high body standards yeah but then why not just take that as inspiration um
0: yeah i mean like you said there's a fine line right and maybe it's more of an internal thing maybe if like you're internally confident in your abilities and you're your ability to one day succeed you see as motivation and then for other people they see it as like oh wow they're so far ahead and i'll never get to that point but i'm not entirely sure what makes up that internal environment that makes you interpret certain signs one way or the other as as motivation or as a deterrent of like oh how i'm I'm so lesser than these people maybe if it's like too far away from you like i think that might be it like for for example like one like group of people that people like everybody find motivating is like those like like the David Goggins the uh like the just it's like the hard work type people right and the thing they preach is not necessarily a lifestyle but just the mindset and the grind itself that like the, the hard work that anybody can do and then they relate it back to you like very often like so David Goggins for example will always talk about like you know how was he just some random like fat guy and like I, I just worked really hard and you know I lost like 300 pounds in like three three like months right and it's something that you think like wow like he's not that much different from me and he was able to do that but when you see like an Instagram influencer Wasly on a yacht like just like ripped out of their mind having the time of their lives where it seems to be they like, have the time of their lives you're like i'm so far away from that i'm not i'm not particularly happy i'm just in some random basement in the middle of nowhere struggling away at some university degree that I don't want like it, the gap is so large from between you and them that it's like a it's not motivating whereas with david goggin it's like hard work something anybody can achieve and the gap is not that big so you're motivated more by it does that make sense
1: but then how would you how would you moderate that like how could you possibly moderate that
0: yeah, I mean, I, maybe just choosing your sources. Like, I'm not I'm not saying it's, like, a perfect... Maybe, maybe I'm completely wrong with my theory here, but, like, probably just choosing your sources where you choose to get your motivation from and just not even bothering to follow those, like, Instagram influencers for motivation and just seeing it as, like, this is a negative outright, so I'm just going to avoid it completely. And then if I want motivation or uh, whatever it is, like, I'll just follow these specific creators that I know for a fact. And, and the discovery process is definitely, like, like, it takes time. And you're you're going to have a pitfall no matter what. Like, you will... Uh, like try to use those Instagram influencers as motivation for a certain time and find that it doesn't work. And I think that part's inevitable. But once you understood that okay X creator or you know, X person is motivating to me and X or Y creator isn't, then going forward you have to control yourself to not be uh, not expose yourself to their their content.
1: Speaking of creators, um Can you name your top five role models or like people that you look up to that are yeah just actually anything anyone that you look Some up to. Role models. Top three, whatever you can think of.
0: Um, I, I don't really have like I wouldn't say I have a role model in like, like just like a like across domain like what like one person that I really look up to. There's definitely people I can look up to in like certain like scenarios. Like I definitely look up to my my parents in in certain scenarios, like my my dad and his ability to like like in his in his grit, my mom and like just like being able to like look past people's flaws and stuff. But uh, but in certain ways I don't look to them I look up to them. And there's other people that I look up to. From like a like as a creator, like I really look, look up to their ability to like tell stories, or like so. For example, like there's YouTubers that I like. I'm like wow, this guy's like storytelling ability is like unmatched. Or his cinematography is like unmatched. But then I also like don't, know them, don't know them as a person, so I'm also like have role models in like within specific domains. Like who who's
1: who's like the good storyteller?
0: Like, um, like for example, like one storyteller, not maybe not storyteller, but one YouTuber I really like is Nathaniel Drew. He's like this. Uh, he's, he's like calm. He's, he's like. He's, he's like somewhat near the self-improvement type of niche, but he's more so kind of like a, he he, he just like, more like exploring life and kind of figuring out life type of a, a YouTuber. And also like, I think one thing it probably influences is how, how much I relate to their content. And that makes me view their, like view them in a more positive light as well. But I really like him. Um, I mean, been need to make a list actually of YouTubers that I really like, because I'll always find people are like, oh wow, this guy's really cool. I should like w- watch his content more. But then I forget to make the list. Do you have anybody in mind? Well, I think.
1: Of creators,
0: um, or I mean, just people in general. Like, to answer your own question, like role model, if you have people, role models, there's, role there's one.
1: Model. I asked this question to someone else, and, and they gave the answer Phineas and Ferb, and I've never vibe with like another a- answer so well. Mm. Um, like, I if I was to look up to anyone in, in like entire history of fiction, non-fiction, real, not real, it would probably be Phineas and Ferb. Um, but yeah, there's Phineas and Ferb. I would say I really look up to David Blaine just yeah. because of the fact that he, he I think he's one of the only people in the world that truly doesn't accept impossible as an yeah. answer. Like there's a lot there's a lot of saying behind a lot of people saying, oh, never take no for an answer. Nothing's ever impossible. But if you put if you put them in a high enough pressure cooker, they'll all just like succumb to impossibility. But David David Blaine's the only person who like breaks this on a physiological level. Yeah. I, I think it's so powerful.
0: Yeah, Mace, yeah, I never really personally ever felt that connection to those those guys. I mean, Phoenix and Ferb, I guess, was cool. But I, I think you're more, uh, like, I guess your personality or, like, your vision is more driven by creating and innovating than, than mine is. Like, I'm obviously, like, intrigued by it. But I think, like, you are, like, literally, like, for lack of a better term, like, a visionary type. And you really enjoy the, the, those those people who are, like, able to create things and defy the impossible. So I, I can I can understand that. The crazy
1: thing, okay. The real crazy thing to me, I've been thinking of a lot, a lot of like visionaries and like I call them idea mans, right? Like, yeah, people who don't really execute, but they just have like great ideas. Yeah. Um, actually, okay, what I was thinking was these like idea people, when they don't have like ability to execute, they, they're they often still very, very valuable. And so, I was thinking if you're if like the goal is to just be like an idea man and have tons of ideas, and let other people execute for you. Like, why would you need any execution ability at all? Like, why not just, like, sit at home and just brainstorm for 12 hours a day?
0: Because um, I think the world, like, doesn't care unless you have something to show them, right? Like, you could have the greatest idea ever. I, I think it's kind of like a business idea that it doesn't matter how good your idea is. Like, it's the, the execution that really makes the business, or, make or, break or makes or breaks the business, right?
1: But if you're good enough at rallying other people behind your vision, yeah. then you'll always have something to show for it. Yeah, for I mean, example.
0: If, if if you can do that, then sure. But I think most, like, idea men aren't actually that capable, right? Like, Steve Jobs maybe is, like, one of those, like, insane types who just not really executing, just kind of visionary and having people do the the, the specifics for him. But that's, like, very few and far between. Do you, so
1: did you see General Magic?
0: No. Oh, shit. Yeah, I on my list. I think it's I open a tab somewhere, but... <laughs> <yeah>.
1: <laughs> Dude, General Magic is... By far the best documentary I've ever watched.
0: Really? It's
1: mind blowing. Um, yeah, but you know about it, I guess, yeah. for the viewers. Some <laughs> my it's... list, I forgot about it. Okay, okay, yeah, uh, I'll introduce it. Before, before the iPhone, um, there was another company that started called General Magic, and they were literally the smartest technologists of their times. Like the original creator of the of the iMac was on that team. There was like all like. All future billionaires, like insane leaders, um, all like compiled into one team to create the world's first smartphone, like before the iPhone even existed. And it's a story of how it was basically the right people, the right product, uh, and they like fumbled a little bit, but it's, it's, it's how about like this insane technology was just too ahead of its time and that's why it failed, and then Apple just took over, but otherwise. Otherwise, the people on that team ended up becoming, like, CEO of eBay, CTO of the United States of America. The, like, create the, like, some of them actually went on to create the iPhone and, like, Nest, for example. So sometimes what I think about is even if you're making losing bets, it's all in the reach for something else.
0: How do, How do those people even find each other? Like, I feel like that's such a... I mean, it's such like a phenomenal group and for the, the chances of them like while being nobodies to come across each other and being well I'm not sure if they're nobodies at the time you've watched the documentary I haven't yet but like not, even...
1: not all of them were nobodies like the original founding team was really strong it was this uh, I forget his name This but this guy who was a phenomenal salesman like yeah. he had I don't I think a little technical ability but he was just like he was the, a type of person who had an idea and was insanely good at rallying people behind him okay. that didn't matter Right, um, but it's, it ended kind of funny because like this guy, like the product failed, and this guy like lost his wife and his house and like everything, yeah. and then he like decided not to like touch the tech world ever again. But yeah, I th- it was it was this guy. It was the original like the lead programmer on the iMac was like on the founding team, which is absolutely insane because uh. if at that point you're in Silicon Valley, you all you like everyone knows this guy's name because he's like one of the first like real insane software developers of the the time
0: -hmm. for those like those pioneers is there actually like a large skill gap in their ability to program or was it more so just like their ideas that made them so good like the people like the guy who made like microsoft or not, not not made but like coded microsoft or like created like the guys who like made coding languages were they just that much better at programming and understanding computers or were they just like their ideas that kind of propelled them
1: I think it depends on like the product. For example, early, early iPhone and early iMac, like, yes, for sure, there there are different beasts. There was like Steve Wozniak is probably one of the only people who's living with, uh, and they, it, like able to reproduce entire c- computer architecture from his mind. Wow. Like th- these people were different beasts. But I think like nowadays, if you look at it, programming has become like quite trivial, especially with AI. But even before it, like it was, it was actually not that hard to learn. And to be an insanely good engineer, um, was like not as atypical as as it was before. But I've, like I still see now and then like really, really good engineers that I would like drop everything and try and like work with or join or try and get them to join my team. But yeah, sorry. Like because things are getting higher and higher level, it's like programming is easier. Uh, but if people go back to the low level, then the, the real, um, talented people come
0: out. Are most startup founders those like IDMN type or do they have the technical ability?
1: Um it's 50, 50 I think most are actually technical. Like usually when you start a startup you ha- you always want at least one technical co-founder. So Steve Jobs is Steve Waz. Bill Gates was technical himself. Hmm. Um what else? Like both the Zuckerberg was technical himself. Zuckerberg I guess. was technical, Sergey Brin technical uh, all these people like were technical. Steve Jobs is the only non-technical one, honestly. And nowadays you see a lot of non-technical people as well. Yeah. But like, it seems like they're just outgrowing it. It seems like they start technical. And then as soon as they're able to get like past the first level, that job is redistributed to other like technical people. And they're always just doing non-technical things, which to me just like, to me just seems like you're spending so much time and effort into getting good at being technical just for a very short like period of time.
0: I mean, I guess there's only so much you can impact you can have, right? Because, like, no matter how good of a programmer you are, you can only do so much work at the end of the day or, like, only have so much impact if you're making some feature. But, like, if you're the guys coming up with the features and, like, kind of mind mapping the, how the, the progression is going to be, like, it's obviously just more impact. Like, I don't think there's any, any contention with that, right?
1: Yeah, this is something else, too. I've noticed in a lot of organizations, engineers are, like, at the bottom rung. Yeah. Um, like product managers will always like their decisions will be more favored towards than engineers or like even a non-technical ceo will always have their decision favored yeah and so i think the the move is if you're starting up yourself and you want to be technical you still want to like maintain the power as if you were not technical and so you just define like a non-technical leader if you're gonna have a non-technical leader that's like, you just completely trust. And this if you completely like, trust them, then you have veto power.
0: Yeah, this is, like, one interesting idea, like, not specifically the co but in general, where you have uh, like, different, like, people operating in different domains who don't have as much uh, like, wherewithal within domains that are related to those, but okay let me me explain that example like for example like egyptologists or like archaeologists in general right will look at uh, like a finding like they'll they'll be at some uh, at some grave site or some like you know historical archaeological site and they'll find like tools and then they'll find like cut blocks and be like okay like these tools are present and these blocks are being made from these tools and they're so far away from the pyramid so i guess we can hypothesize that like these these tools were used to make these pyramids right and they don't have but if you show that same thing to an engineer you're like you like these tools are used to make these box and then they're transported like fifty miles away and the engineer's like, Are you are your mind? Like is really impossible, right? But despite that being the case, that like archaeological theory becomes the dominating like theory within that within that field. Like this is like specifically with within Egyptology, this is one thing I've I read about quite a bit, is like the, the the tools that are proposed that were used to make the pyramids are like nearly impossible. Or like it's it's like a logistical nightmare to actually use them to make them and like does that make sense? Like, like they don't they don't have the engineering like knowledge to to, to make that call
1: the people who say that like Egyptologists yeah like the
0: Egyptologists and it's it's kind of like the idea of like um, like the, the, how how generalists are like just more and more useful as as like the modern day progresses like like having uh, at least a, a baseline knowledge and a bunch of domains to be able to like accurate, or somewhat more accurately make judgments
1: yeah I agree for sure but I think like the Egyptology example like I don't know if it fully pans out because like it had to have gotten
0: there somehow, right? I mean, I, obviously, I'm not an expert in this. This is just like what I've, I've read or I've been read. But I heard on a podcast of like this, um, um, like this unpopular Egyptologist, archaeologist, archaeologist guy, and he's like, this like, there's really no way these tools were actually used to to make this. But like, nobody here is an engineer, so they don't make that criticism. They're all just like, oh, we found these tools, so that must be how they made it. But I mean, I, I guess the idea in general is like is uh, is cool. But my point was like, the, do you think that that um, yeah, you know, implies to like startup in general. Like, are are there non-technical people in higher up uh, places that make bad calls because they don't have the the engineering wherewithal and they make bad judgments or like ask people to do like bad things? I don't know. I kind of worded, but
1: I think it's rare. But okay, also if, okay. If you think about it, you want to make you're trying to make some product. Yeah, you're trying to make that product as good as possible, right? Yeah, and so sometimes it's beneficial for the person who's making decisions. To not have the engineering context because they're able to dream of the impossible, yeah. and then they can just go like under any circumstances figure this out and make it. Right, for example, if if I was if I was making the iPhone at that time and there was no other capacitive like touchscreen dis- displays, I don't know if I would have I don't know if I would have been the one to say now figure out how to make a touchscreen. Yeah, I might have been the person who said, "Oh, like it's probably not possible to make a touchscreen, so let's not do that." Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I think the same thing applies to science, actually. I remember it was uh, grade 11 or 12, and our bio teacher, Ms. Daw, showed us this, um, it was this Meet Me documentary on this kid from some, some random high school who participated in the u.s like national science fair and he made like this detection method for uh, early stage some sort of cancer and the the technique he used was like very like it it wasn't tested at all in the field and most experts would have said like yeah this is not a good idea this is not going to work like it's just just logistically that doesn't make sense but that kid like tried it out and like since he was like not knowledgeable in the field and he was kind of just was like, this idea, man, like, he's, like, I mean, just this bright-eyed, bright-eyed like, I mean, we'll just try it and see if it works. And it ended up working. But, like, the, just that, um, like, there's value in, in being, like, ignorant in certain parts of your of your domain.
1: Yeah, for example, you know, like, June, I just searched off his name, June, I think Hugh, is that how you pronounce his name? Something like that this probably. guy was a high school dropout. And he won the Fields Medal in mathematics, which is, like, the equivalent of the Nobel Prize. Yeah, yeah. Um dude that that's insane and if you read interviews and stuff his peers say that he's like slow like he's like they're like oh yeah if you give him like a problem it'll take him a long time even if it's a simple problem he won the fields medal like so the and that's 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 why like everyone in the startup world like enjoys um being around like young people is because they just don't have the they don't have the wherewithal to like have to be to be be practical yeah yeah they're they're still dreamers while everyone else had to be none of them and so the chances if they're a dreamer sure it could crash and burn but there's a very small chance that everything succeeds and the dream was worth it
0: are you scared that as you get older and like maybe like once you have a family and you have responsibilities that you'll you'll lose some of this like um you know stupid optimism and, and dreamer like state you have right now
1: yeah i'm very scared and that's like okay before I was completely like anti-money. Like, it, it made no sense to me to, why to focus on money for so long. Like, why would you? Yeah, why would you possibly care about money uh, if you're able to just live comfortably? Mm-hmm. But I realized that unless you're in some insane financial bubble, yeah, you'll always have to worry about like the practicalities of the world, and it's like that'll just stop us from dreaming.
0: Yeah, it's it's like an unfortunate reality, but it's very true.
1: Oh. And I have so many friends that are so ambitious uh and they dropped out for example and then the recession hit and yeah. then like regardless of their ambitions they just had to like they had to work somewhere where I know they didn't like want to work um, it just feels sad like, like I feel like the more I get older the more I like truly understand how like why money runs the entire world and before it was like really fun and very helpful to just like not care about it but these days like I, I'm like kind of scared of it
0: yeah. Do you think it's possible, even like in the absence of money, like like e- even if we ignore the money thing, do you think just just with age, people become less optimistic and and less streamers or is it just more of a because of money, because of responsibilities, people fall into that type of state?
1: Um, I think it's possible. It depends on their mental. Yeah, generally, generally
0: yeah. the idea is that as people get older, like they become less optimistic or like just less streamers But like as you're saying, that might just be a byproduct of the fact that. You need money as you get older whereas when you're younger you're supported
1: yeah maybe it's maybe that's true i think it depends on like your mental yeah your mental grit if you're old but you always subscribe to the ideology that being ultra optimistic and a dreamer is important and mm-hmm. i don't think if money wasn't a thing i don't think that would change much it also it also has something to do with like how many times you failed if you failed a lot in your life, yeah, regardless of how much you say failure is helpful, you're gonna be less optimistic.
0: Um, yeah, I guess. I mean, if that failure was in pursuit of like some, like a goal you knew was very difficult, and if you eventually you achieve that goal, do you think you're still like, like a negative about the, or like or, or pessimistic going forward? Or do you think you become even more optimistic because you know that eventually stuff works out? Um. Let's say for example, you you like you have like, you start up like ten different businesses, and then like one of them ends up working. I think Mark Cuban has this cool. You have to like you do have to be right once, right? It's like that that eleventh one working. Like, does that make you more of an optimist? Because I, I feel like that's that's what happens with a lot of like businessmen. Like they, they they start up a bunch of businesses. One of them eventually gets big, and then they they make their big break from it. They become millionaires, millionaires, and then they go on and they're always preaching about how how great it like, you know the world is and how like the hard the hard work people succeed. But you never hear from the people who just failed like ten times, obviously, right, and they haven't had the eleventh or maybe they don't ever have the eleventh, but the people who have the eleventh seem to be very optimistic going forward.
1: are they? I would say even the people who succeeded would be really hesitant to start their twelfth business um knowing everything they know. Like, you just a balance on your worldview. you know that you did this, 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 and this, and you failed, you did this, 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 and this, and you failed like the reason it worked it works after doing it ten times is because you really try out almost all the cases, right, yeah. And so, like, I I don't know if there would be more optimistic rather than just more confident. Like, I think it's very different.
0: Yeah, maybe you're right then. Yeah, maybe it's the confidence to. well I, I guess, in a way, that's that's maybe even better than optimism. Is 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 confident in your ability to get back up from failure.
1: Yeah, because cause if you're true. if you're optimistic
0: and like you have very high hopes, um, then. And and those hopes fall flat, then you might even fall into like some sort of like a level of just depression. You're just like, wow, like I was so optimistic, I was hoping for this amazing thing to happen, and it didn't and it fell flat. Because I feel like a lot of um, um, like our happiness or, or sadness comes from our expectations versus what happens in reality. If if you don't like really care for something to happen, or like you weren't expecting something to happen, and then something really good happens, or you're like you're really like overjoyed by it even if it might like objectively not be that great whereas on the other hand like something could be objectively good but because it falls flat from your expectations you'll be like really upset by it
1: yeah i agree confidence I, like, i'm i a very strong believer that you have to be overconfident to be like some level successful right yeah i, agree. I think there's like sometimes even narcissistic like there's no way that people take like these insane people take the bets that they take not, like, having some insane amount of overconfidence in you themselves. Have to just,
0: just, like, numbers-wise, you have to think that, like, you're somehow, like, one way or another better than your competition or else you wouldn't compete, right? Does that
1: make you a worse person? Like, do you have to be a bad person
0: to be a billionaire? Um, I think maybe the word billionaire specifically has some other connotations with it, but, I mean, if we just say successful in general, I don't think you have to be a bad person, but you... I mean, it, it depends what you're successful in as right, well, right?
1: A better way to put it is, like, um, do you have to be a bad person to acquire a lot of power?
0: Um, I want to say no, just because we have examples in history of people who, I mean, I, I think objectively we would say, or most people would say are not bad people and they had power. Like who? Um, I don't know, like, the the Gandhis, uh, The what's, what's lots what's of
1: people think Gandhi is bad. I think, like, Obama is one example, maybe, but...
0: Like, I'm no, sure Obama was not <laughs> But Obama was, like, people like him because he was charismatic, but, like, this guy was, like, nearly as bad as Bush in, like, basically every other domain. I mean, people don't like Bush because, like, oh, like, he invaded Afghanistan or whatever. Obama just continued everything Bush was doing, but, like, he was just a funny guy, so people are fucked <laughs> with it. <laughs> yeah. Like, um, what
1: about, I'm trying to think Nelson,
0: of... This. Nelson Mandela. People think he's a good guy. Uh, I don't know, MLK... I mean, again, like good guy, as in good guy within the domain that they're pursuing. Like people think Muhammad yeah, Ali's a like, good guy, but then, like if you like, he was also like cheated on his wife a bunch of times, right? So it's like it was, you know what I mean? Like everybody has their like,
1: flaws. Like Terry Fox, for example, like Terry Fox is like a dick to everyone. He, like he met, like he was really annoying, but he like made strides, mm. literally. Um, yeah, there definitely
0: has to be some level of, of of ego, of arrogance, of of thinking you're able to succeed despite the odds. I don't, I don't know if that makes you a bad person necessarily. Just because generally we just def- we like define bad person in terms of how they behave with others, not necessarily what their internal state is, right? So you, you could be like ha- you could have a massive ego, but still be a really nice guy, and people won't think you're a bad person because of that.
1: That's true. I can yeah, I can think of like tons of people who I think are really nice and like who I would actually predict who would have like insanely like massive egos. Yeah. Um, uh, they probably do, but they're they're like they have enough humility to hide it.
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I,
1: yeah,
0: yeah. All right, do you want to call it? It's been 45 we're supposed to have. We we're planning on doing a shorter one just because,
1: uh, Both, bro, much talk. <laughs> as long as so long, <laughs> yeah. I mean, hey, listen,
0: the fact that we have nothing to talk about and it still goes very long it means we're getting better at podcasting and creating ideas, so yeah,
1: you I hope. think so as well. Okay, well. That is it, ladies and gentlemen, and everyone in between. Thank you so much for watching The Drawing Board, and I hope that you guys will continue to ideate and create outside of this podcast. Peace. Peace.